Good morning. Today's reading is Psalm 40, verses 1 through 5. Listen to God's word for all of us. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Thank you, Jerry. Won't you please bow your heads and pray with me for just a moment. Lord, we long to hear your word. We want to understand its presence and power in our life. And we want to allow you by your spirit to release that power so we can go out and live as your people. May we receive your word with joy and gladness this day in Christ's name. All God's people said, amen. Hey, we all hate to wait, don't we? Well, most of us do. I know I do. My wife tells me that generally I'm a pretty good guy, but I've got this this one kind of character issue. I am very impatient. And I know it. I'm trying to get better. I'm kind of impatient about becoming more patient. I don't know what that means. But... <laughs> a couple weeks ago, I was at the Stafford Starbucks right up here, and it was in the morning, and I was in line, and the line was long. Lots of people buying complicated drinks with complicated names. I just wanted a simple cup of coffee. But I had to wait, and I waited, and I waited. I got out my cell phone, I checked the scores on ESPN, I answered my email, I checked what was going on on Twitter, I looked at Facebook for a little while, and still I hadn't made it up to the front of the line. But I was getting close. There was only one person in front of me. Actually, it was more than one person. It was a a mom with three little kids. And I'm thinking, hopefully she's just getting something to drink and moving on. But no. She was getting breakfast for her entire clan. And she decided that this would be a good opportunity for the kids to learn to order for themselves. And these are little kids. I mean, they don't know what's going on. So mom's trying to coax them. Hey, doesn't that muffin look good? What about that pastry? Hey, maybe that yogurt. That looks good. Do you want some hot chocolate or chocolate milk? Do you want some orange juice? And I am going crazy. Come on, lady. I am breathing deeply. I'm reciting the 23rd Psalm and the Lord's Prayer and the Apostles' Creed. I'm reminding myself to relax. It's no big deal, but I've been waiting a long time. I just want a simple cup of coffee. Finally, she's finished and she moves on. And I guess the, the young lady at the cash register there at the Starbucks could tell that I'd been a little frustrated waiting for a while. And she was very nice. She said, uh, uh, sorry about that. What, what can I get you? And I tried to be non-snarky. I, I tried to be... But I guess it just came out in my voice. I said, look, I just want a cup of coffee. I'm walking out of the Starbucks a few minutes later. Kind of ashamed of myself. I mean, the whole experience only lasted 10 minutes, but the level of frustration I had over having to wait for a simple cup of coffee. I mean, I'm a pastor, for goodness sakes. (laughs) Waiting is hard. 
Whether it's in Starbucks or on I-95 or at the grocery store, I could go on and on, but you get the point, right? And yet waiting is part of God's plan and purpose for us. There are times when God wants us to wait. We're told in Scripture to wait patiently for the Lord, to persevere in prayer, to to be slow to anger, to be long-suffering, to put up with one another, to endure hardship. You know, the words wait and the word patient are in the Bible dozens and dozens of times. We're supposed to be patient in circumstances, we're supposed to be patient with people, and we're supposed to be patient with the Lord. Today's scripture from Psalm 40 is a good example of this. David, reflecting on an event in his life, we don't know exactly what it was, but he'd been going through some hard times, and he prayed, and God had answered his prayer, and he's celebrating this, that God had lifted him up out of the muck and the mire and set his feet upon a rock and given him a new song to sing, Great is the Lord. But when you read that psalm, you realize that this answered prayer, this this goodness of God that David experienced in his life, this new song that he'd been given to sing, all of this happened after... A season of waiting. In fact, let's take a look at this psalm for a second and let's let's read this out loud together. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me and He heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair. He set my feet upon the rock and gave me a new song to sing. I love it when God answers my prayers. I love it when God lifts me up out of the muck and the mire. I love it when the Lord renews my strength and gives me a new song to sing, don't you? I love that. But I hate the waiting. Why does God make us wait? I know a woman named Monica who has stage 3 breast cancer and... uh, For the past several months, she has been going to doctors and getting tests and treatments and taking medications and having surgeries, praying every day that God will heal her. She is sick and tired of being sick and tired. And she wants the Lord to give her a new song. But right now, it's the same old tune. Wait. Wait. I think of uh, a couple, Paul and Charlene, who have been... Married for seven years. Past five years they've been trying to have children, but they haven't been able to. Not quite sure why. They've been to doctors. They've had tests run. They've done a lot of research. Their small group surrounds them with prayer and encouragement. They desperately want to have a child of their own. And about a year and a half ago, they thought maybe God had answered their prayers. Charlene was pregnant. She had a miscarriage near the end of the first trimester. That was really hard for them. Their sadness became anger. Their anger almost drifted to bitterness. They really had to work through that. And they did, but it was hard. And they're still waiting. Tom is a single father with three children, all under the age of ten, two boys and a girl. And uh, Tom's a single dad because a couple years ago his wife decided she didn't want to be married anymore and she didn't want to be a mom anymore. She just packed up and left. Tom works a full-time job, takes care of the kids, tries to hold it all together. He's crying out to the Lord for help. And and someday he feels like the Lord is helping him. Every day is hard, but some days just seem harder than others. And he wonders if his entire life is going to be this hard. 
Tom is trying to wait patiently. But it's not easy. Why is it that the God who loves us, the God who cares about us, the God who wants the best for us, sometimes makes us wait? I mean, when I grumble about my experience at Starbucks, I think about people like Monica and Paul and Charlene and Tom and so many others I know who are in the muck and the mire, calling out to the Lord and waiting. They're the real heroes of the faith. Lewis Smedes writes so eloquently about people like this. He says, some people wait in the darkness for a flame they can't light. They wait for a happy ending to a story they can't write. They wait for a not yet that feels sometimes like a not ever. Waiting is hard work. It's hard spiritual work. Why doesn't God answer more quickly? Why doesn't God, just the minute we cry out, answer our prayers? I think... One of the reasons God makes us wait is because somehow waiting strengthens our faith. I mean, when you think about the definition of faith in the Bible, that it's the the confidence of what we hope for and the assurance of what we have not yet received, then it only makes sense that there must be a period of waiting while you're trying to stay confident in what you hope for, while you're trying to be assured of what you have not yet received. This period of waiting is the period where faith shines the brightest. In fact, the Bible says that it will test our faith to make our faith stronger. James writes to the early Christians, and he says, this testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work in you so you might be complete and mature in every way. God makes us wait because in the waiting, our faith is is somehow strengthened. We gain spiritual grit. You know, I I think sometimes we, we assume that, gosh, if God would just answer my prayer right away, that would really strengthen my faith. If every time I called out to God, He sent an answer right away, wow, that would cause my faith to soar. But I'm thinking it's just the opposite. I'm thinking if God always answered our prayers right away, that maybe our faith would go cold and tepid and... We'd actually become like spoiled children and we'd forget that our relationship with God is not just transactional. That that somehow in the waiting, our faith is growing. That God is not just a cosmic vending machine or a divine butler waiting to do whatever we ask whenever we ask. No, if the ultimate purpose of this life is to grow our soul and if... Perseverance must be used to perfect our faith and make us mature. Then it stands to reason, doesn't it, that sometimes when we cry out to the Lord, we're going to have to wait patiently for Him to answer according to His wisdom and timing. And somehow going through experiences like that strengthens our faith. But it it doesn't just strengthen our faith. It also deepens our character. It deepens our character because... While we're waiting, the waiting is not passive waiting. While we're waiting, we're working, and God is working in us. Some of the best things that happen in your life and in my life is what God does in us while we're waiting. In fact, we discover sometimes, I know this is true in my life, I bet it's true in your life too, that the work God does in me while I'm waiting is often more important than the thing I'm waiting for. 
Waiting is meant to be preparation time. Waiting is meant to be maturity time. God is preparing. See, sometimes we want God to rescue us from our circumstances, but God wants to work on us in our circumstances. Isn't that true? And sometimes, as we're going through those circumstances, our character is being deepened. We say here all the time, God's more interested in our maturity level than our comfort level. And so it stands to reason that sometimes when we call out to the Lord, there'll be a season of waiting, not because God doesn't love us, but because because God loves us enough to do a work in us while we're waiting. And we can cooperate with Him in that. If you're going through times of financial struggle and the muck and mire of financial despair, too much month left over at the end of the money, credit cards maxed out, bills piling up, stress over the top, by all means, cry out to the Lord. Lord, rescue me from this mess. But while you're waiting, read a good book on how to manage finances. Take Financial Peace University. Cut up those credit cards. Refuse to use shopping as a recreational activity. Commit yourself to working on a budget and living below your means and Give God the opportunity to to work with you through that, to, to, to help you learn the biblical wisdom of financial discipline. God wants to do a work in us while we wait. I got a friend who is uh, working really hard on his second marriage, which is kind of interesting because he's, he's not married. He's not even dating right now. But his first marriage ended really badly. And as he reflected on that, he he saw that he bore a part of that responsibility. Certain patterns of behavior and things that he was doing in his life. And, and he's been praying that God would give him an opportunity to experience a second chance at love. To have a great marriage and build a great family. But he knows, he knows now that love is not simply a feeling you feel. It's a skill you develop. And so he's working while he's waiting. Or should I say, God is working in him while he's waiting. He's seeing a counselor. He's reading books on, on how to become a, a better person and how to have a good marriage. He's learning how to be more kind and gracious and encouraging and less negative and complaining. He's learning to be more patient. He doesn't know... If he'll ever get married again, but he knows this, that if the opportunity ever comes, he's going to be ready because he's going to be a different kind of person. Andy Stanley, who's a pastor down in Atlanta, does a lot of work with singles who are looking for love. And Andy Stanley asks these single people a good question. He says, are you becoming the kind of person that the person you're looking for is looking for? Isn't that good? Are you becoming the kind of person that the person you're looking for is looking for. Because so often we think the key to a great marriage is finding the right person. Well, that's part of it. But just as much as finding the right person is becoming the right kind of person. And whether your marriage is good or whether you're going through a rough spot in your marriage or whether you're single hoping to get married or whether you're recovering from a divorce wondering if you'll ever get married again, whatever circumstances, whatever the muck of the mire might look like, it's an opportunity to... Let God do a work in you while you're waiting. And the beauty of this is the work that God does in us while we wait is oftentimes greater than the thing that we're waiting for. Our character. So why does God make us wait? 
deepens our faith, strengthens our character. And then finally, sometimes God makes us wait to remind us that the essential nature of the Christian life is one of surrender and submission. Oh, we don't like this. This idea of surrender and submission. We're Americans. And we're taught from the time we're little that life is all about becoming the captain of your own ship, the master of your own destiny, setting your goals, working hard to achieve your plans, and doing what you want to do after all. You're free. You're independent. We love that stuff. And of course there is some truth to that. Nothing wrong with having goals and dreams and trying to achieve our plans. But as a Christian, as a follower of Christ, we have to remember that we pursue plans and purposes under a spirit of submission and surrender to the Lord. That what is ultimately most important is not that God help me to do my will, but that I get to a place where I can discern and do God's will. Amen? There's a bumper sticker that I've seen that kind of summarizes the American religious view. You've probably seen it too. It says, God is my co-pilot. I'm living my life, doing my thing, and God's my co-pilot. He's here to help me when I need Him. That's not the gospel, friends. That's not the Christian life. I've seen another bumper sticker that that gets it right. It says, if God is your co-pilot, you need to switch seats. Right? That's the truth. See, when I want my will more than I want God's will for me, then I'm in a bad place. That's when I get irritated. That's when I grow impatient. That's when I get frustrated that the universe isn't organizing itself to suit me. But when I get to the place of submission and surrender, now I'm in a teachable place. Now I'm in a receptive place. Now I'm in a place where God can begin to, in His still small voice, say things to me that, I couldn't hear otherwise because I was so busy pursuing my own agenda. See, this is very counterintuitive for us. But the Bible says we're not our own. That we belong to Jesus. We've been bought with a price. We now surrender our lives to the one who surrendered his life for us. And we seek to do his will, his plans, his purposes for us, rather than ask him to just bless us as we pursue our own agenda. Amen? This is hard. Notice this passage from Romans that gets it right. Let's let's read this out loud together. Let's make this our affirmation of faith this morning. None of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So then, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Man, here's, here's, here's a prayer to pray every morning. Whether I live or die, Lord, I am yours. I'm called to seek to do your wisdom, your will, your way. Not my way, but your way. That's hard. Because everything else in our life says, no, no, pursue your own stuff. And just ask God to come along as your co-pilot and help you with it. Henry Nouwen uh, writes about a family of trapeze artists that he got to know. The, the Flying Rodellas were their, were their name. And uh, they talked about what it's like to be trapeze artists. They start training from the time they were uh, young kids. And one of the fundamental moves of a trapeze artist, one of the first moves you have to learn is you climb up real high on these swings and you start swinging two people, swinging toward each other. And then the one person on the one side of the trapeze swing has to let go at just the right moment and fly through the air with the greatest of ease. 
and then be caught by the other trapeze artist swinging in at just the right moment to catch them. But here's the deal. The Rodellas explained it. The person who lets go of the swing and has to fly through the air has only one job. To wait. It's, it's terrifying when you first start to do it. But you're flying through the air, hands outstretched, just waiting for somebody to catch you at just the right moment. Because here's what happens. If you start to think, oh, i, I got to grab something, i got to... If you start flailing around, moving around, it will lead to disaster. To, to train yourself in that moment to just reach out, be calm, be patient, and wait, knowing at just the right moment you'll be caught. That's hard to do. But the Rodellas explain that, hey, that's, that's the only way to fly. What a picture that is of submission, surrender, vulnerability. That's why God makes us wait. So we can learn how to fly. I don't know where you are in your life right now. Maybe you're here today and you're on the solid ground. Life is going really well. You, God has done some great stuff in your life recently and you just are celebrating. You're just singing a new song. And it's great. And we celebrate with you. Maybe some of you here today are, are in the miry pit. The muck. And you're calling out to the Lord. And you're wondering, does He hear my cry? And you're tired of waiting patiently. You're sitting in the dark, waiting for a flame you can't light. Looking for the happy ending to a story you can't write. Stuck in the middle of a not yet that feels like a not ever. Take heart, brothers and sisters. Waiting is the hardest work of hope, but it is the best work. It's through the the waiting and the trusting that God deepens our faith and strengthens our character and reminds us to submit and surrender and trust. In a sense, the whole purpose of life is to grow our soul. And sometimes the work that God does in us while we're waiting is more important than the thing we're waiting for. And in a sense, aren't we all just waiting for that day, that final day, when our course in this life is finished and we've learned the lessons we needed to learn and we stand before our our beloved Savior, we see Him in all of His fullness and glory and That happy ending we've been waiting for has finally come. And yet at the same time, it's a new beginning. And we join our voice with the multitudes who've gone before us, declaring with great joy, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the miry pit and put my feet on a solid rock, and now I have a new song to sing.